So I am a former vice president of product supply, in essence, responsible for supply chain and operations for a mid-market manufacturer uh, with 30 years of experience in manufacturing, supply chain management, and technology. Um, you know, just a couple of highlights here, you know, countless pro uh, projects, 175 lost successful projects in several different industries um, from food and beverage to industrial products and aerospace type of um, uh, industries within manufacturing. Uh, and, you know, I am uh, constantly providing new ideas and thoughts uh, with my, uh, with publications, speeches, etc. So that's a little bit about me. I um, have a passion for manufacturing uh, industrial products um, and supply chain and how to bring it all together to, uh, to be successful. So I'm excited to share this with you. So with that said, this is a basic picture of supply chain management. Uh, the reason that I'm showing it is, is that um, I wanna show the progression of where supply chain management has come from. But when we refer to supply chain management, we're thinking about from your, I always start at the customer side because the customer drives the demand. Uh, so if you're looking at the customers, uh, you know, the end customer, whoever that is in your supply chain, uh, you know, it could go through a distributor before that a manufacturer. And as you can read here, there's different tiers. I'm showing two tiers of suppliers. This is a, a very simplistic supply chain. And in today's world, we have gone global. It is highly complex as compared to that uh, diagram that I just showed uh, and expanded with many, many, many layers and um, partners uh, throughout to get from your suppliers, supplier, supplier to your customers, customers, customer. So uh, supply chain has definitely gone global, which during the pandemic has created absolute disruption um, and it is not slowing down. Uh, we in the beginning of the pandemic, as you see on the left, you know, we were seeing empty shelves in the grocery stores, which just is a um, visualization of what happened in the supply chain. We had unprecedented volatility and demand. We had some uh, some clients, it depends on what they were supplying, uh, that had demand went through the roof. Other suppliers and other clients that had demand drop off like a rocket. And many, many of which like leveled out at some level in between the two uh, during the pandemic. Uh, but there was disruptions in supply because it depends on where they, how their supply chain was configured, where they received, um, you know, what, who their suppliers were, who their customers were, uh, who their who was next in the chain. That that has never been more important than it was during the pandemic, uh, as to. Uh, um, who your suppliers and your customers customers are and and were. So buying behaviors have been uh, have changed and evolved pretty dramatically um, during this time frame. And we could talk more about that in a few minutes. Uh, but it really has changed things. It's continued the level of disruption. And um, 
there's there's no end in sight. We're going to have to do something differently in the future. Risks have been exposed. I mean, what we thought, you know, we did these exercises and this is, I'm speaking about it from an 80-20 point of view, but, you know, manufacturing clients did exercises. They said, yeah, you know, we're set up. We have a backup source of supply. We have this, we have that. But they weren't really robust about thinking about the real risks when something um, certainly like a pandemic would happen. And so a lot more risks have been exposed than they ever thought they had. Uh, and the capacity is just, um, everything is in the wrong place at the wrong time and definitely at the wrong profit level and by no means um, with the uh, right service level either. Um, so from that point of view, Currently where we are is, is that, you know, the business has been booming pretty much for manufacturers for the, for the most part. Uh, they can't keep enough stock on the shelves um, or produce enough to keep customers uh, with what they, with what they're asking for. Uh, lead times are extending, prices are surging. It's pretty crazy. Uh, throughout, uh, in some cases, with every order, prices are increasing and logistic capacity is severely limited. So pretty much we are in a state of chaos and we're having to figure out how to uh, prioritize what we're sending. So some of the common themes that I'm seeing currently is I, you, many different ones, but we can like summarize it into these three key things. One is supply chain resiliency. Um, you know, we've been talking about this for many years, but it's sort of similar to those audits that we took. We didn't really account for what, how resilient we'd really need to be. So now it has proven that what we were focused on in the past being cost, 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 um, not that cost is not important, we have to keep it in mind, but we sure better be resilient. And if we sacrificed resilience for cost, we are in deep trouble. So uh, customer responsiveness, as I said before, customer preferences and buying behaviors are evolving. So how do we keep up with these changing conditions? Because by all means, if we're producing the wrong items and our supply chain is worse yet, producing the wrong materials and uh, supplies, et cetera, that we need, we are, we're, we're in deep, deep trouble because our extended lead times are going to be, we probably won't even be able to satisfy customers before they, their needs change again. Um, and next thing we know, we're going to be having all the wrong inventory in all the wrong places at the wrong time, which would definitely be problematic. Uh, we're, we're looking at reconfiguring the supply chain. We're going to talk more about this, reshoring, nearshoring. Uh, so we'll, you know, we're going to get into this a bit more, but that's definitely one theme that is um, hot, hot topic to be sure. Uh, talent is the other one. There isn't a day that goes by and uh, we work with many clients across many different industries and there is no day that goes by where we don't have a conversation about the lack of enough resources. We can't find enough people to do X, to produce, to ship, to partner with, to implement a system, to pretty much any 
name anything and my clients are having challenges finding the talent they need. So it's a it's a huge problem. And the people who have who are more on top of this on these topics on this screen uh, than the others, than their competitors are going to be successful and are going to not only um, pass by the competition, but they are going to speed by the competition. So there's limited resources. There's an increasing need of skills. If you think about the global supply chain uh, that we were just talking about, it has increased uh, significantly uh, in complexity. So that, that requires increased skills and need for skills. Uh, we also are needing to retain talent. By all means, that's the other thing. Uh, no week goes by, it seems like, without hearing about somebody else who has left for another company or somebody who's retiring or somebody somewhere in the midst. There is somebody that is not being retained <laughs> for one reason or another. Some of them are controllable and some of them are uncontrollable, but we have this widespread issue. Um, and of course, developing talent, I mean, that's certainly a, um, uh, a need in today's, uh, in today's world, because after all, with as many retiring as we're gonna retire prior to the pandemic, just with the baby boomer generation getting to the point where we are currently, we had a massive issue. And that has been increased, I don't know, tenfold with what's happened here. So there's definitely a need for, to develop talent and attract talent. Uh, so we'll talk a bit more about partners and collaboration. Uh, so the talent topic is key. And then digitization and data. That is also a critical topic. There is no week that goes by that I don't hear about the, the need for why is this data on this report not showing what we think it should. It doesn't look right. Um, we don't have what we need to make the decisions fast enough. Uh, we, and that's just the simple things. How do we predict where we're gonna be, what we're gonna need in the future? And, and uh, how will we uh, get in front of all this, all of this data and digitization uh, needs? What was going to happen uh, in the area where I happened to, uh, to live, they did a study, the Brookings Institute did a study and what they were going, they were expecting to happen in terms of the digitization and the um, um, implementation of technology uh, in the next 10 years has pretty much happened during the pandemic. So it has accelerated the pace of change uh, massively. And that's not just in this area, it's just an example. So there's, there's, we're gonna talk a bit more about that and what we need to do to keep up with all these uh, changing requirements. And uh, if you think about it, the digitization and data relates directly to talent because if you can help your talent with the right information at the right time and automate things that don't make sense to do um, manually on a daily basis, you can better position your talent and you can utilize the data so that you can create some supply chain resiliency as well as utilizing your talent. So all three of these topics go hand in hand. So this is just showing you that a survey has said the same, uh, the same thing as what we're seeing with clients in the industry. So these are some really well respected uh, surveys, but 
In essence, Thomas' survey is showing that 83% of manufacturers are likely or very likely to reshore. That is significant. And it has gone up tremendously since last year. So that's that's telling. And it's gonna have it's gonna relate to your supply chain resiliency. And it's also gonna relate to ongoing change and disruption. Um, there's several surveys you can see here about uh, talent. 80% of manufacturers say talent ecosystems are critical to competitiveness. That's not surprising. I'm not, I'm surprised it doesn't say 98%, but probably. Uh, the more days that go by, they're going to, that number would continue to increase. And then there's a couple here that you can see about supply chain disruptions and then, and technology. The digital transformation is becoming more and more key as each day goes by. So what do we do about all this? So there's a couple of uh, key topics that I wanted to go through uh, quickly, and then we'll, uh, we'll have a discussion here and ask some questions. So the first thing is we need to rethink manufacturing and supply chain. It is no longer all about cost. It's no longer even all about, uh, you know, what I used to call the Amazon effect and how we needed to have 24 seven accessibility. We, we have realized that our risk is um, changed pretty significantly. Our risk profiles have, have uh, been exposed. Um, we need to be thinking about strategic inventory. I see, I see clients across the board looking at how do I, where should I um, position inventory effectively through my supply chain or maybe just capacity. Maybe I should also be producing close to my customers. So many people, many executives are looking at regionalizing their supply chain, reshoring nearshoring basically just means producing closer to the customer and but that changes the whole supply chain it changes the source of supply the materials there is a lot of change that's going to go on and the people who can keep up with this and get ahead of this are going to be successful the rest are not it's going to be similar to the great depression many years ago where the winners were separated from the losers uh, what else to do? This is a sweet spot of uh, our consulting practice, and it's extremely popular today for those clients that want to get ahead of how do we create predictability in our revenue stream and sales growth, and how do we ensure that we have the capacity, the resources, the storage, et cetera, to be able to supply that uh revenue at levels that where they can scale the business in a profitable manner and can build the business with uh high levels of customer service and um customer responsiveness so the left side shows you what sales inventory and operations planning is about you start with a dollar level sales forecast which many companies have the problem is is that how in the world do I figure out like what that means and what I'm going to sell and to turn it into a product level forecast and then turn that level, especially in the industrial sector, like how do we turn this into engineering capacity needed and manufacturing capacity, supplier and long lead time materials and storage capacity? How do, how do we make all that happen and do it on a monthly cycle? So uh, the right side of the screen is going to show you all the results that you can achieve from sales growth, working capital improvement and cost reduction. So I could talk about this for quite some time, 
but we'll move on. So to be attractive to your talents. And a couple of things I'd highlight here is people follow people, people don't follow companies. So who are your leaders? Make sure that you have key leaders in, in place. I can tell you from even a client point of view that the, certain clients are more attractive than others and they are the ones that have people that are good to work with that are leaders. Uh, discover your hidden talent. Every single client worked with over the last 16 years has a hidden gem in their midst that they are underappreciating. And in today's world, you better find them. Uh, and by all means, retain them. So got to retain and develop your top talent. Many of these are, are considered the basics and most companies don't follow them. So what are you doing to make sure that you're compelling people to work for your company? Like, would you wanna work for your company? It's a good question to be thinking about. Um, do you have a performance management process? Are you holding people accountable? Strangely enough, your top talent does not appreciate you letting uh, your weakest performers get away with it because you don't wanna have those conversations, doesn't work. So make sure you're attracting talent. Uh, and um, attracting the talent means keeping talent as well and attracting new talent um, as well and supplementing the talent. Many people today can't find talent fast enough. They're filling gaps, but they're, they're filling them with consultants, with trusted advisors, with, with people who can help them bridge the key gaps. And they're, they're looking at just what's critical to the business. They're not looking at everything. So you have to prioritize and think strategically about what's important, which talent is important to you. And digitization of the supply chain and data is also absolutely essential. The first thing is like, you have to upgrade to at least a modern ERP base, which is the system you use to run the business. Uh, that's that's critical because a, a, a modern ERP system is gonna have many of the capabilities or they're at least connect with many of the capabilities you're going to need to be successful in the, well, currently, but also in the future and 10 years down the line, uh, which most people can't even think, you know, a, a day down the line these days. Uh, but at least a year or two down the line, we need to be thinking about this. How am I going to get ahead of my customer requirements? Will my system enable me to um, be successful or will it hold me back? That's, you know, that's kind of what you need to be thinking about. Will the, will the system be ahead of me in terms of functionality and what I need or behind me? I mean, these are the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about. Um, one of the things also is selecting ERP systems. And I work with the clients to do that, it's really quite critical. And there are just some key things here that you see on the screen to be thinking about. So just keep those in mind as you're selecting. And data, you know, with an ERP system, you have more data than you could ever need. Even if you don't have one, you probably have more data than you could ever need. The question is, how can you use that data? How can you make sense of it? How can you make sure that you're connecting it properly? Uh, can you use business intelligence analytics, predictive analytics? Can you visualize it to make decisions? I mean, the, the key thing here is, can you make good decisions with your data? And can you be looking ahead and make strategic decisions? Remember, like everything is changing and evolving on a daily basis. Your customers, your customers' customers, your customers' customers' customers are going to change. Your suppliers, your suppliers, suppliers, and your suppliers, suppliers, suppliers are going to change and evolve. So are you set up to be agile, flexible, 
find a way to be able to do that dynamically with them. And moreover, like why not be ahead of things and lead, you know, go where you know the puck is going, not where it is today. So I have a ebook out uh, for emerging above and beyond from the pandemic point of view. Um, some insights from top uh, people in manufacturing, supply chain, and technology from thought leaders. Um, and of course, uh, you know, I've put it all together into some of the key things I think will be critical. So you can download your free copy there. And uh, uh, have my uh, contact information here. I'm happy to answer questions. And I think we will um, talk about a few right now. Excellent, Lisa. Thank you very much for that uh, incredibly insightful presentation. Uh, there's clearly a couple of questions that will come in from the audience, but I have uh, one or two to start with. Uh, you mentioned something interesting, which we always tell our customers as well, which is most of them have probably more data than they know what to do with. The question I have for you is in all your different uh, consulting engagements that you've done, how or what is the best practice for data and using data in the supply chain process that you've seen so far? Uh, because I think uh, having data, but more importantly, doing something with it is probably the more important thing. So any examples? You maybe don't need to name names, but uh, some ideas and examples of how people use data? Yeah, sure. So I've, so we've been working with several clients currently, and data is a common theme. So one of them is, how do we better predict what future sales will be? And so that's that, that you could start with historical sales. Now with the pandemic, things have changed pretty dramatically, but you can capture key trends, changing trends, and you can, it depends on your situation, but you can put together um, quotes uh, for future orders. Um, maybe you have master agreements uh, that with, with key customers. You have, and you can put together historical sales. You can meld all of these pieces together. Um, if you are doing it right and you make sure that you're not double or triple counting things or you have bad data clogging up your system, if you can put all three, all those pieces together um, successfully, you can create a more predictable um, revenue stream and incorporating your your customers uh, feedback into that loop as well. So one is demand. And then the other piece that, that we've been working on uh, pretty consistently here with, with customers to have a really big impact on their business is how do we get a directional view of their capacity? So, you know, a, a forecast doesn't really do you any good. If you can't figure out what does this mean for my critical machines? Because it, it typically is, that you don't have enough capacity somewhere in the facility if you're a manufacturer. So where is it? Because if you just say, yeah, you know, looks fine overall, um, but the smaller products you don't have enough capacity of and you need some additional machinery or equipment, or you might need skills of a certain type. If you cannot identify what those are, there's an issue. And I have many clients currently that have plenty of resources in total, but they don't have the right resources of the right, uh, of the right type. So meaning the right skills. So when we, we took the data out of the system and um, 
put it through some models and if, if you will, to figure out what kind of capacity do they, do they need, we're able to identify better what types of skills, how many people for certain key areas, uh, what type of storage capacity, those types of questions have been answered. So those are two, two examples that I'm working with, with at least uh, three or four different clients uh, currently that have all had, um, you know, they were pretty much struggling, running around in circles, trying to figure out how to, how to uh, supply customers needs and how to predict what would, what they would need like tomorrow or next month. And so that, does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you.